Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas for $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Helix mattresses have been recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. So how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You can take the Helix sleep quiz and find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door free of charge. Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10-15 to year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash drink. That's helixsleep.com slash drink. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Welcome to ESPM. <laughs> I'm still proud of that joke. The red zone. The red zone. Um, <clears throat> hi, Em. How are you? Hi. I'm good. Uh, just, you know, the exact same. Yeah? Uh, still cockroaches in my house. Good. Um, still no cockroaches in your house? I mean, I've left a puddle of blood in my wake. Just blood in your house. So who knows? Okay. They could Excellent. have been drawn in. I... Uh, did you clean the blood off of your walls? I tried to, but then the next morning I found some more. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor boys. I uh... <laughs> um, Also, I showed you a TikTok last night that I feel like the whole world should know about. So I'll try to save oh, that no. so we can post it on our Instagram later. Oh, no. But there was a there's this TikTok of this uh, girl showing off her boyfriend saying like, oh, well, uh, or my boyfriend who's literally getting a phd a chemistry phd at yale and then uh it cuts to the girlfriend with like a like a big quartz rock and like uh something else like and it's crystal like, and something it's, like, it's me again the rain is healing energy <laughs> and i said i tagged you and blaze i've never seen a more perfect tiktok that represented just a couple. guy like cooking or something which is like literally... minding his own fucking yeah. business and then just it's me again which like we literally <laughs> since blaze did go to yell and he has a yell apron and like we, he literally cooks he's the one who cooks so i'm seeing this video of this person and she's like look it's my boyfriend who has a degree from yale and i'm like oh and then it turns and she's like holding a crystal and says the the rain has healing fat and i went oh fuck em really called me out i saw that one and i'm telling you i saw it when i was and alice and i were staying over in that apartment and i <laughs> so and alice had gone to sleep and i literally had never it was the only tiktok where i've covered my face laughing so hard because i was like this could not i've never seen a more perfect i just was and when em sent me that i was like i'm pretty sure i told blaze that rain has healing energy like two weeks ago like uh, those verbatim words what does he do as your he husband just kind of stares at me like, when you come to him and you say 
I have something to say. What does he expect <laughs> is going to come out of here? He mouth? usually puts everything down and leans back <laughs> and waits because I'm like, if he's still doing stuff, I'm like, you're not listening to the important information I have. It really could be anything from the rain as healing energy to like, I bought a dog or yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Or I, I lost dogs. our baby. Or I lost our dog. <laughs> <laughs> or I lost all of our 15 dogs. It's really quite a range that I bring to the table. You know, it is fun and scary to be your friend because when you're like i have something to say it's like whatever it is it's gonna be a memory (laughs) we're all gonna have to sit back put down our phone whatever you're about to say we're gonna talk about later at some point um did you hear the news about uh annabelle i was wondering if this was gonna come up apparently it's a hoax that's what i'm hearing i feel like i'm not totally surprised by that but what i don't know so again all i know is from tiktok but from what i'm understanding is that she literally at 3 a.m one night just literally went vamos just vanished from it seems like so on the nose yeah for a it's haunted doll like ve- i feel like fucking zach bagans did it i feel like he went to connecticut he went to the I mean, war museum bagans. i mean bagel bites who doesn't have a lawyer that can sue us <laughs> i mean this is all alleged and if i were to throw a theory in the ringer it would be this one also like, a lot of our theories are all of our theories are very alleged because they're all wrong probably. well i've also said this many times a lot of in a lot of instagram lives people say like what's where's the number one haunted place you would love to go and i always say i would want to go to the warren museum yeah. it just looks like there. it's just like condensed like concentrated haunting yeah. stories and stuff and that's where Annabelle is in the Warren Museum. Or was. Or was. <laughs> and uh, apparently she's on TikTok now because a lot of people have a lot to say about it. <laughs> They're pretty funny. But um, so I personally think, and I've said it openly before, I will be shocked if anything other than Zach Bagans buying that museum is happens. Right. Like, didn't, he's when you bound sa- to. A lot of people tweeted at us last time when you said that and were like, oh, that would never happen because remember, like you said something about, oh, maybe she'll end up with... Or maybe it wasn't Annabelle. I forget which doll. You said, like, we'll end up with Zach Bagans. And then all these people tweeted, like, no, that won't happen because mm. X, Y, Z. And they're really against. I know PTD. Zach already has PTD. Right. And Zach HTD. He's friends with the guy who is the caretaker. Does he have unquote. STD? <laughs> oh, my God. Sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. HTD. You were talking about Harold. You I'm talking about goose. Susan, you Susan talking the doll. I'm Robert. talking about Susan the doll. <laughs> <laughs> oh no i popped out my contact <laughs> oh no where is it does susan eye. have it <laughs> oh no i've been haunted what did i do didn't i tell you oh it's oh there it is catch it <laughs> okay well now didn't i can I... see out of one eye so <laughs> that's good didn't i tell you at one point i had a dream about personified stds yes you did. You s- oh, Le- Leah gonorrhea. Leah gonorrhea. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Leah gonorrhea. There was like a chlamydia or oh, Lydia chlamydia. Lydia chlamydia. And I think it was just Sif Phyllis. Sif Phyllis. That's right. And they were like sisters. What or was wrong with me? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, anyway, nobody draw a picture of that. Okay. So, what? <laughs> so what's going on? There's a doll, and she escaped the museum. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know what happened, but she like cursed my contact out of my eye, and so now I can't see. So was, things are going really well. That's for the me. first side effect of STD possession. Yeah, Susan. Um, Susan, <clears throat> leave me alone. I'm sorry. I'm sweating. That was funny. I apologize to Susan. It feels very fitting that Juniper is currently sitting on my lap uh, because we all want our cats to be healthy and happy because when they're happy, we're happy. But because we're not mind readers, we don't always know when they're unwell. And in my experience, cats are not the most, you know, open when it comes to sharing their woes. And there goes Junie, literally jumped right off me. So helping us keep tabs on our cat's health is just one reason you should use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell, thank God. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. Plus, the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can for Blaze, because that's his job. Here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in our cats, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues. And Pretty Litter ships free right to your door in a small, lightweight bag. Pretty Litter has changed the game. The litter box is right near Leona's room, and so it is very delightful to not have that litter smell all the time when she's taking a nap. Plus, we can rest easy knowing that Juniper and his little kidneys are healthy. Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com slash ATWWD and use code ATWWD to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash ATWWD, code ATWWD to save 20%. prettylitter.com slash ATWWD, code ATWWD. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Um, I don't know anymore, anyway, man. Oh, doll oh, we, so HTD Harold, um, has, uh, <laughs> who we love and will never say anything negative about not, ever. not one, not one. Um, so he, I don't think his owner slash caretaker, apparently the person who gets along is with Harold, they, they prefer the term caretaker. So I don't think Harold's caretaker is interested in offering yes, him to anybody. I think that's what people were tweeting, maybe. Robert the doll I'm shocked by. I guess there's a whole museum or something, right? Oh, yeah. He's like him? has his own place and a tour. Like I literally so went Zach on a doesn't... tour in Key West and it was like the Robert the doll tour. So I don't yeah, think... Maybe they make too much money where like Zach doesn't like stand a chance. But I feel like anything Zach could grab, he probably would try like, at, His right? empire. It's like Alexander the Great. He just wants to like take over the whole empire. He's like, empire. maybe I can't own Harold, but he is going to be a guest star on our show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he's done one with with... RTD, right? Oh, that's, oh. that's what happened. That's how I tweeted as Zach. Okay, hold on. Never mind. What that was the day when I went on the Robert oh. the Doll tour. That was a day that Zach blocked me on Twitter. Right. Anyway, long story. But, but sorry. Okay. So I've always thought at some point, especially since the Warrens have passed, I always assumed Zach would eventually at least try to buy their museum and if not their museum at the very least annabelle right 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 and so my in my brain i like to imagine that he like played you know burglar and like kind of snuck in and took annabelle or he didn't do it he sent he sent aaron Aaron obviously (laughs) um but i that's what i like to think happened obviously it probably most likely 99.99 percent did not happen but people say that she just vanished okay that's pretty freaky though either way yeah 
It's not um, good news. It's not good. It's certainly not good news. Um, <laughs> um, uh, and also everyone, apparently there's a thing called Annabelle Twitter and an Annabelle TikTok now. It's all hysterical. Like people are making up some real funny stuff about why she decided to leave now. And they're like, even Annabelle's, even Annabelle's scared of 2020. I know. I, I like that. Uh, I like that whole vibe, that whole, <laughs> that whole meme world we've created. Yeah. Um, can, uh, can I give you a haunted update? Yeah. Okay. So you know how my house I know. Okay. It's covered in blood. A. <laughs> that was my fault, though. Um, but B, you know, I have those haunted stairs, right? Yeah. Okay. So here's what I did. You're not going to love it. Okay. What? It wasn't a thing I realized I was doing until after I did it. So I needed furniture for my house, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. And so I was like, okay, I need furniture. Um, and I need a sofa. But sofas okay. are expensive. So then... I went on this app that I love called Everything But The House, which is where you buy stuff from estate sales after people die. And so I found this couch that was like nearly brand new. Um, but? But it was, you know, from a dead person's house. So then I bought it and I put it in my house. And then that night, that same night we got the couch because it was like a third of the price. As an, you know, it was really affordable. So I bought this couch, right? And then my stepdad and Blaze went and picked it up and put it in the house. And then we put up a TV that night in the, our little like living room area. We put up a TV finally. And we were like, oh, perfect. And then this freaking TV keeps turning itself on and off and keeps like going crazy. And we're like, I don't know what it is. The outlets are working. Everything's fine. The cords are put like nothing's off. Was it working until the couch showed up? Well, so we got them the same day. So, like, uh, I don't know. But then I was like, oh, shoot. I just realized I literally leaned this couch against that haunted staircase. So now I have just, like, this weird vortex of, like, the haunted staircase is here. Then there's a sofa from this person who just died in the house. And then... How I, did the person die? Peacefully? Oh, I don't know. They don't, like, give you the... I mean, that would be I mean, great. it could be, like, a Lizzie Borden couch where, like... <laughs> it's not covered in blood, as far as I can tell. Your window unit is. Yeah, I know. I'm adding to the whole... I I feel like a lot of people are really you're doing something real sneaky, Christine. What? I'm on to you. Because what? <laughs> what am everyone I is paying attention to what Bagel Bites is up to and how he's trying to like build this conglomerate <laughs> museum of haunted items. But over in Cincinnati, something's happening too. Like, you're just boop, the boop, East Coast boop, boop, Zach Bagan's haunted museum. That's all the Midwest. That's all I've ever wanted. Well, the ZB of the Midwest. Well, okay. Just slowly buying things from estate sales and being shocked that I was things like, happen. Oh, in that's your house. So, I was like, that's so weird that like this TV. I mean, and of course, I don't, I'm not of the camp that, oh, something electrical happens. It must be a ghost. I get that. Um, so it probably, I know, M is. But the TV also was not used, to be clear. That was a very new TV. So it shouldn't be going on the fritz like it is. But in any case, I was like, that's weird. And then I was like, oh my God, I just bought this sofa. Oh my God, it's like leaned up against these stairs where is where I see stuff happening. So anyway, now my little living room area is just extra haunted. Great. Anyway, well, what's next? <laughs> I don't know. You're going to buy a haunted truck or something. It was so, it was like a third of the price. And it's like a very, very new couch. I mean, I'm happy for you that you're furnishing your home, but like the way you're choosing to do it, I'm mad at myself for being shocked. And uh, the, so when I bought, okay, so then we bought it and we picked it up and it has like a tag that's like, it's been like fully sanitized. Like they go through like a really professional, obviously, for obvious reasons, very professional sanitizing process. So it's been fully sanitized before anyone gets nervous. Um, it was just, it was used because um, Couches are expensive, folks. I don't know if you know this, but wow. Couches are expensive. They are. And like holy shit, I didn't know that. And then that's one of like the the price of everything is definitely one of like the top tier things you 
really learn to respect your parents on once you yes. become an adult yourself it's very true you're like now i get why you didn't want shoes on the couch yes, i like, was a the, piece of shit the number of shit up. i spilled or the number of things i spilled all over my ca- parents couch and i'm like why would they sound mad at me and i'm like oh my god if my cat even like puts one claw out i'm like no well my mom did tell me uh when i was getting this apartment she uh, was like well this is probably one of the last places you have before like you have your own family. So what I would suggest is like get all the nice shit now mm-hmm. because like don't even think about in your oh, 30s yes. getting nice furniture. Like just appreciate what's going on. And then in your 30s, just kind of like play it low, play it safe. Just be allow them to trash the things that looked nice at one point because at least you embrace that they once looked nice. They once were nice. Yeah. So. That's the thing with this couch. With the, I was like, well, let's use. I feel less bad if like the dog lays on. Or not right. that he was going to lay on no matter what I bought. But like <laughs> not that I, you know, I feel less bad. If, if, if I bought like a $2,000 couch and Juniper was like right. scratching, I'd probably freak out um, just because it's so expensive. But yeah, so I, I, it made sense at the time. And then it didn't occur to me until later when I was sitting on it like, oh, weird. This was just in a dead person's house anyway. But then again, I'm like a lot of people die, die all the time. And it's not like I'm sure there are a lot didn't of things. Didn't someone die in your last house? Um, or did I make that up? I don't think so. So people definitely died in this house. Did I tell you it was, yes. I found out it was built before I thought it was? No. So we thought it was built in the 1890s. Probably it was built in the 1870s. So it's like ultra old. It's like I mean, 150 years old. I mean, you just tell me it was like you oh, like have board tenement housing and, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. A lot of different like multifamily unit, whatever. So yeah, and a, a lot. Yeah, I did actually do some digging and I found out that the first owner's wife died at age 30 in the house. Bye. <laughs> Great. Um, Her name was Mary. Oh, no, it was Laura. Her name was Laura. Yeah. And she was 30. So she was like right around your age and probably wants to hang out with you. Great. Yep. yep, yep. Um, she's figuring out what a TV is. It's okay. She's probably having the time of her life. <laughs> um, it is the age of the spinster. It, bingo. The year. Of Speaking the of death, if there is anyone out there who happens to work for this kind of service, I'm looking to get some graves cleaned. Um, I know I'm taking like a real sharp cool, turn. Cool, cool, Not really. cool. Not cool, really. Cool. A pretty slow left turn i think yep, yep, yep. um so my ancestry stuff we all know i love looking at doing my ancestry mm-hmm. stuff um and i found a few graves of like very distant relatives <gasps> and they are worse for the wear probably because no where one are been. they you know what's interesting is that well i already knew and i've told you this before i'm actually the first from either family line my mom's or my dad's to like not grow up in new york everyone right um when my dad's side and my mom's side both came over many generations ago. Everyone stayed in New York. Right. Um, so I guess it's really not that shocking, but everyone, every one of my ancestors that has uh, died and been buried in America and uh, in this country are all, all within like two or three cemeteries in New York. That's weird. So next time we go to New York, I plan doing like a cemetery tour and seeing all my ancestors, Aww. but I was looking at a couple of them and they looked like trash and i was like i and feel like, like i will not abide by this i was like i'm too bougie for this not look my at, you're like look at my article i was couch. like look how far we've come yeah. family line i'm gonna <laughs> clean your like well also my thing too this is a little more sentimental and it sounds very sad but it's we're allowed to have a, a happy positive attitude of it just before you're like oh like okay i'm at peace with this so we're allowed to talk about it and be fine but my grandmother has alzheimer's and right. it's pretty gnarly um and 
the last time I got to hang out with her when she uh, was able to live on her own, I was 15. And I remember I even then I was super about ancestry and learning all about, you know, our family line. And so she drove me up to she was, was still in New York. So it wasn't too far. But we took a train to her old neighborhood where she like met my grandpa and where like both of their f- families had storefronts and all that. And interestingly right across the street from one of their storefronts is the cemetery where they end up getting buried and so she took me to the cemetery and i got to see like her parents graves and you know what's weird my grandma she was one of four but all three of her siblings had died before she was born oh weird none of the i guess her parents were super overprotective of her because um none of her brothers she had three brothers and none of them made it past the age of seven. So then when she was oh. born, they were like, oh, fuck. You like, are. And it wasn't negligence. Watch. It was just like truly like. Well, sure. But I mean. I don't want anyone thinking like all three of like it is weird that all three of them died. But it was in just like freak accidents. And so they were really My grandpa was the her. only one of his five. I think he had four brothers and he was the only one that uh, the youngest. And he was the only one who lived past like. Isn't that crazy? I don't know what was going on at that, well, at in that my, time. In my history, it was Germany during World War II. Aha, but yes. ours, case, ours was just like weird Americana still, things. Right. But I mean, even back then, it was like I wanted, Spanish flu. I'm trying to think of the time. Well, one of them, one of them, the the one that lasted the longest, he died at seven because he uh, truly was just like riding a, a bicycle outside and then a car wasn't paying attention and hit accident. him. Yeah. Oh, that's and right. it wasn't like he was in the road and a car hit him. It was like the car wasn't, oh, the driver shit. wasn't driving properly and like came up on the sidewalk where oh, he should have been safe. So like just weird things. But so uh, anyway, her parents were, she took me to the cemetery where her parents were, her brother was, her grandparents were. And I remember her crying when we were there and I thought it was because she missed her family, but she was crying because she was like, when I'm not here anymore, no one's going to come clean their graves like I do because she took me to clean their graves. And so um, she got really sad about that. And now she's uh, in an assisted home and yeah. like she is pretty far gone. She doesn't remember any of us. Um, but I feel like I should like carry that yeah. on. So I anyway, this is a very long winded way of saying I know exactly where those graves are and I know how important it was for her for them to stay looking sharp and they probably haven't been touched in like 10 years now. Yeah. So if anyone knows what the pricing of that looks like, because yeah. I'm I'm sure that's like kind of an expensive thing. So I don't know what the it maintenance seems like looks a very like. niche. Uh, I'm sure it's like a I wonder if it's a year round cleaning that they do or like you can just pay like a one time restoration fee or something yeah anyway i would like to do that in honor of my gammy so if anyone knows the pricing on that let me know let us know hit us up and also it's like probably fun information that we could somehow find a way to use it yeah yeah i'm curious um anyway so you've got a ghost in your house i'm trying to clean graves this is all very (laughs) on brand nothing has changed in the last Three years of our lives. Absolutely We're not. pretty much still exactly not the same. even a little bit, Christine. We're still buying like discount haunted furniture because... We? I'm, you. <laughs> you don't want to pay full <laughs> price for a couch. Oh, me. Uh, yeah, that's all me. Your, your, your furniture is lovely. I'm just like... I buy my stuff at uh, stores. <laughs> you, buy, you buy your stuff at stores? Oh, weird. Yeah, instead of your that's, estate sales. That's cool. Which like, I don't mean to knock estate sales, but like... And I, I love wouldn't. estate sales. But of course, you would only pick the things that dead people have Correct. Touched. And also, I bought this other cool thing. I bought multiple things. But I bought this other cool thing. This is actually really neat. Last thing, I promise. Speaking of, like, history. Yeah. So I bought this um, prescription from 1926. And it was the fourth prescription 
It's from Cincinnati, and it's the fourth prescription written under prohibition for whiskey. And that's dope. I know. And it's a local doctor. It's like a four by six or five by seven, I think. And um, it's a prescription, and it has like uh, I forget the name of it, but it's the name, the like traditional name for whiskey, so it looks more professional. But it's basically a prescription for whiskey, and it was the fourth one written in the United States under prohibition. And it was written by a Cincinnati doctor who then like later became pretty famous for like working with like the Bengals and stuff. But, um. Wow. It's really cool. And it like says the address of like the guy who lived in Cincinnati and like needed whiskey, I guess. Um, and on you the. You should go to that house and then take <laughs> bring your flask of whiskey. Be like here. And take a picture Just and be pour like, it out on the porch. Full circle. <laughs> <laughs> full circle. Um, and then uh, on the top, there's like, it's like uh, really ornate. And on the top, it has like these flowers. And then I read the kind of the history of this paperwork and it's they're poppy flowers mm. because like opium and, sure. you know, and so back then you could literally get prescriptions for opium. Yeah. cocaine booze um and so anyway i just thought it was really cool so i bought that as That's well super fun. from an estate sale so. okay you're you're changing my opinion oh. we should go to an estate sale together i would love that but i decide what we purchase because fine you're gonna show me a bunch of things and be like i don't want to tell you the story to you this. take the emf and just like wave it over <laughs> stuff and tell me if it's safe <laughs> we'll just bring uh we'll just bring all of our ghosts from all of our many homes over the years and we'll just, have them give us the nod of approval we'll just drop them off on the sofa and say stay here <laughs> Okay, so my story um, is interesting because I have known about it for a while, but um, I felt like I needed to give everyone a break because my main squeeze uh, is in this story, Mr. Uh, Harry Price. Yay, I had a feeling. Um, And so I wanted to give everyone a little time because Harry Price, I think, was the only story I've covered where I did three full episodes. like a multi-parter. And they were long as shit, too. Like, every one of those episodes were very lengthy. So... Um, I wanted to let everyone take a breather, but he's back. Um, we always knew he wasn't gone for good. <laughs> it's not just a trilogy. We've got a, a fourth <laughs> here. Um, he doesn't make too much of an appearance. I wouldn't necessarily call this a... I wouldn't say this is like Harry Price part four, like yeah. I would consider the other. He's just like tangentially part of it. This, Yeah, this is he just like... He seems to insert a, himself in a lot of these topics. I respect him for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's pretty familiar. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I will say this is a case that he is... I don't know if I would say he's super well-known. He's super well-known for it. But in this case, it's well-known that he kind of wrote about it in his books of like, he was, he was aware of the case, but he just wasn't as invested as like Jeff, the talking mongoose or (laughs) Rosalie. Like he wasn't the only person involved, I guess. Okay. So this is the story of the ghost girl of Romania or uh, what she's probably best known for. Her name is (laughs) Eleonora Zugun. Oh, I wanted to say it was Eleanor Zuggin, but apparently it's Zugun. It's not Zuggin. <laughs> Z-U-G-U-N. So I thought it was Zagun or whatever, but whatever. I, that's just me being ignorant and American. So um, it's Eleonora and some of the sources and in other sources, it was Eleanor. And I had read most of my notes as Eleanor. So that's how I'm going to pronounce it. Sure. A lot of people, though, say that... Um, Apparently in Romanian text. I see. Which are the sources I cannot read. Really? Um, she was known as Eleonora. Um, so Eleanor, I'm just going to make her a little American girl, apparently. Ellie was <laughs> born May 24th, 1913 in Talpa, Romania. May 24th, is that? Gemini. That's on the cusp, right? I think, tw- isn't 21st? Mm, yes, Gemini. Sorry, it always mixes me up with the... I know it's somewhere in the 20s. Yes, okay, so she's a Gemini. Woohoo! Um, 
So she is described as, quote, let me know if this sounds familiar. <laughs> I can already say yes. I don't even know what you're going to say. No, no, no. This one's, this one's mean. I was just being silly. Oh. I right, described as, quote, just a normal, simple peasant girl, and there was nothing particularly special or remarkable about her. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like what my parents would say when they put me to Good. bed at night. <laughs> sure, yeah. If our parents had to write a biography about it. Don't that, forget, you're not special. <laughs> they, would delete that up, they would delete that sentence before they officially posted it, but it'd be there. It would be in there, for sure. So uh, this story takes place where Eleanor's 11. Okay. Um, and she was sent to stay with her grandparents in northern Romania. I think the town was called Buhai. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was in 1925. She okay. was 11. So early 1925, Eleonora is taking a walk. She finds some money on the street. And she's like, oh, great. I can't imagine it was that much money because she says, I'm going to spend it. And she spends it at the candy store. Oh, cute. Then again, it could have been a lot of money. <laughs> now, I was going to say, how much money could we spend at a candy store? Yeah, okay. I've spent a lot <laughs> of money much. at candy stores. Um, <clears throat> so she goes back and she tells her grandma about her day. She's like, oh, I found some money on the street. So I went to the candy store. Precious. That's that's what Eleanor was thinking. She was like, grandma's going to say this is precious. Uh-oh. Grandma was pissed. What? And said, like, you took money that wasn't yours and you selfishly used it. Oh, my God. And apparently said the quote, that money was probably left by Dracu, a.k.a. the devil. And, Why would you say that to a, your granddaughter? And by taking the money and using it for yourself, you have invited demonic forces into your life. Well, you have now that grandma's decided it. Jeez. Now that she's manifested the demon Exactly. But so anyway, I everyone thought that it was going to be just like a fine comment. Like, oh, I found like. I'm imagining it was like no more than cents or something. Yeah, like maximum like five bucks. Oh my god! If I had a five dollar bill, absolutely I'd take it to the candy store for the candy store. <laughs> um, or Starbucks in our case, but like same thing. It, it would be it absolutely it, one for each hand. <laughs> Explore new possibilities, pleasure zones, and find your vibe at funlove.com. Funlove.com is a leading online retailer of sensual health and wellness products, offering a wide array of premier brands of toys, lingerie, and accessories. I know I've talked about it before, but we received the most lovely gift basket from Funlove. First of all, I didn't know what it was at first, and then when I pulled out a vibrator, I thought, oh boy, this is not your everyday fruit basket. There was everything, I'm telling you, from sexy perfumes to toys to vibrators to lube. I mean, I gotta say, it's like a one-stop shop, okay? If you go to funlove.com and you're looking for maybe a romantic evening, either with a loved one or with yourself, they've got what you're looking for, I can promise you. So what are you waiting for? Explore, discover, indulge, and make love fun by visiting funlove.com. And if you live in Arizona or Colorado, check out one of their 18 store locations. Hey, maybe I'll stop by when I'm in town. And for a limited time, you can save 30% off your first order when you use the code DRINK at funlove.com. Head to funlove.com today and use code DRINK at checkout to save 30% off your first order. Visit funlove.com today. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Everyone knows the holidays can take a toll on your bank account. If you're looking for creative ways to increase revenue, then get started with Squarespace's new feature, Squarespace Courses. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own online course. Start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with the powerful built-in Fluid Engine Editor. With Squarespace Courses, you can create engaging content your audience will love, then simply add a paywall and set the price. 
Plus, you can charge a one-time fee or sell subscriptions. Turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to www.squarespace.com drink to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Um, so apparently grandma was right, or at least she manifested something or invited something in because after that experience, we kind of say that the, um, going to the candy store and then telling her grandma about it, that was opening a portal in a way. Oh no. And if it wasn't, then grandma invoking this. Or grandma had already done it. And she's like, let's throw the blame somewhere else. I like that twist. Oh, you went to the candy store? Forget this. <laughs> Forget I, that Ouija board I, I was playing with upstairs. Your candy store caused Kick the that problem. one behind the couch. <laughs> <laughs> behind Christine's haunted couch from the estate sale. Oh, no. Um, so anyway, <laughs> all of a sudden, some really weird shit started happening in the house. So uh, that night, the family was sitting together eating at the dinner table. And out of nowhere, a shower of rocks oh. s- fell onto the house. Oh, dear. Okay. Um, and just like essentially like a waterfall of rocks. Okay. Um, the rocks keep falling. They get more and more intense. The rocks are growing in size. It's basically like hailing stones. Um, two pieces that came flying at them was quote, a piece of porcelain and half a brick. Oh, they were smashing through the windows. A and brick. Jesus. I, and I'm unsure if it were, if it was like coming out of the sky and landing on the house or yep. if it was coming out of the ceiling and landing on their table. Oh, I see. But it 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 uh, uh, it came it materialized out of nowhere and was falling sure. on top of them. And it's not just hail; it's like literal bricks and stuff. Literal rocks, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, and so the family goes outside, and they don't see anyone or anything that could have thrown that many rocks that were that heavy and so quickly right. at them without being seen. Sure. Um, so they're like, "What the hell is going on?" So they go back and they see that most of the debris settled around. Okay, so I, it must have materialized from inside the house and fell onto the table because they go back in and they see that most of the debris settled around where eleanor was sitting oh, so no it all seemed to be aiming at her oh no um after that it just kept happening wherever eleanor went things were flying off the shelves they were either hitting her or landing really awkwardly close to her and many witnesses confirmed this saying Sad. that it wasn't just rocks it was like if you were at a store just items just fly off the cases at her oh my god um and so eleanor's grandma calls a priest um and the priest comes to the house and notices that most of the rocks were wet that were being thrown at her um i guess from the first incident at the dining room table so he marks one of the rocks and puts it in a stream nearby because he noticed that the house was next to a stream puts the rock in the stream and then seconds later, the rock shows up again out of nowhere, wet, and it's marked. But like it's like it's going into the water and then just like dissipating out of the water and just showing up over here. What? So I don't know what his plan was or what he thought he was going to learn from that. I'm just more confused now. Maybe just to like determine that that's where they were coming from, the river. Or that that's what I thought too. But like even if it's coming from the river, how's like, it showing what is that? up from your ceiling? Right. Like, I that guess doesn't answer any questions. <laughs> yeah, and, like, now that he marked it, I feel like that was supposed to make me feel better, but it's, like, okay, so now we know that the same rocks are appearing, but, like, how is that possible? Like, even if it was a rock that wasn't marked, I'd still wonder where it came from. So, I don't know how that was helpful. It seems clearer than when you start 
pulling it apart and you're uh-huh. like actually i guess this doesn't tell me much it's at like, all hang on a second so all i am is more confused yeah 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 um so anyway he they see rocks nothing ever really comes from that except for the priest being like i can't explain that this house is clearly evil um (laughs) there's nothing more to it he also apparently saw objects moving and dishes breaking on their own god um and so he says that the house is evil and it's because of a demonic force that's been let in and so the grandparents are like oh well that's obviously our grandchild um obviously (laughs) and very quickly in this story they're already completely over it and they send her back to her parents they're like we want nothing to do with this oh grandma's not very nice grandma's uh she's a straight shooter she yeah she's not messing around I she's guess. pretty direct with what she wants and she makes it you happen. brought draku into grandma's house and you are in trouble <laughs> take draku with you back home it's just like a no uh what do you call it a no uh, business no 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 tomfoolery no tomfoolery uh i would just say no tolerance policy you bring jack uh-huh. here one time and you are done i've said it once to christine i've said it twice to christine but you know what she keeps buying shit from estate you know sales keep bringing into our apartment Draku <laughs> and all of his furniture <laughs> um so uh she moves back to talpa with her parents and nothing changes oh no um rocks keep flying at eleanora or they at least try to get to her um they're flying into the house they're breaking windows the parents are probably pissed about their windows yeah um objects are flying off the shelves in public at her including a plate that accidentally hit another person when oh, it was no. trying to hit her oh no the furniture would shake and this was all only when eleanor was around so a lot of people thought okay well this has to be following her sure because when she's not around there's nothing if i were th- her parents i'd be like go have a play date over there yeah yeah yeah. yeah let yeah. me sweep up all the crap you caused you stay in there then come home and let me just take the windows out of the house actually no windows <laughs> doesn't make sense um and also like knives and i think they're just flying around it's very the house. frightening especially I, if they're hitting other people too yeah yeah um so at one point this is my favorite sentence of the whole thing at one point even potatoes were flying around okay well house. that's a little more appealing to oh, me they fly Get right it? into my mouth appealing okay. they uh appe- sorry you nailed it thanks no you nailed thanks. it. thanks um they quote materialized from under the bed god they're like fucking lemon <laughs> wait a second wait a minute why were Very they under the bed appealing S- shut up christy hey how are you peeling today <laughs> wow really bringing it back sometimes i ask blaze all the time sometimes, sometimes i ask him all the time <laughs> and all the time i never ask sometimes i ask blaze all the time how are you peeling and it- he doesn't find and it. And then amusing. he shows you the divorce papers. It's the funniest thing to me. How are you peeling? And nobody thinks it's that funny, but I think it's like it like makes me cry laugh whenever I say it. So let's change the subject really quickly, please. <laughs> Before your tears are all over with yeah. your one contact in your eye. It's true. I can't see. Did you take your contact out? No, it fell out. <laughs> I don't have a contact in my eyeball. I can't see half of my I remember of those face. days. It's it's really inconvenient. Yeah, it really it's, sucks. It's I just should have brought more, but uh you knew this would happen here we are uh so at one point the potatoes quote materialized from under the bed and flew across the room to hit eleanor's father in the shoulders which like a hard potato hitting you in the back it's gotta hurt that's a rock someone chucked that at you yeah that's he's not peeling okay. you, know what they- <laughs> you know what they say rocks or potatoes are the rocks of the starch family that is what they say <laughs> at christine's house that's what i say always never while blaze is literally trying to like do work that's what i say yes yeah yeah yeah, i say hello it's me again (laughs) the rain has healing energy and rocks are the again the potatoes are the rocks of the earth (laughs) 
<laughs> but isn't it true? Okay. You keep talking now. Uh, help. Okay. So <laughs> Eleanor also started waking up with scratches, bites, puncture. Oh, we talked wounds, about that one. ASMR. No, no. Abrasions. Pretty much all the bad stuff. She was waking up with all of them all over her body. And a lot of them were in places where she could reach, but there were also in places where she couldn't reach herself. So um, Jeez. a lot of people say maybe she was doing it, but then you have to explain where else they were on her body yeah um let's see so now her dad and apparently 14 other people in town brought her to a priest even the town's like (laughs) fix this so they take her to a priest uh named macar macarescu macaroni sorry macaroni macaroni does save me it takes me out of a lot of bad situations is a spiritual experience so maybe that's the priest I need to be looking for this whole time. Father Mac. Big Mac. Big Mac. <laughs> um, so sorry. I'm going to be quiet now. So apparently I mean, not, like, when okay. she went to go see Father Macaroni, mm-hmm. uh, this is in Harry Potter. Not Harry Potter's book. <laughs> this is in the Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> this is the dumbest show. Okay. Why does anybody listen to this? <laughs> okay so the goblet of fire it says yeah 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 yeah. um okay harry price's book called poltergeist over england so this he wrote this in 1945 and i think this is more it's interesting because the rosalie seance he wrote that after having a firsthand experience and um he like couldn't he like in the same day that he had the experience he like went to a pub and wrote all this shit down like he couldn't not talk about it right this sounds more like he's narrating something that happened before he got there so it's more story like historical telling mm-hmm. so um but he also heard it directly so it sounds really personal but i don't think he was actually involved yet i think he's just re- reporting what other people said um so when they took her to see macaroni yeah yeah um harry price's book says Soon after Eleonora had entered his room, an iron vessel suddenly burst into many pieces. This is a long quote, by the way. This is like a little paragraph. Immediately afterwards, a vessel which had been on the hearth also burst. The splinters were thrown into the court. Scarcely had the people recovered from the shock when both inner windows broke and one of them, one of the splinters fell into the room. The outside windows remained intact. And during the events, the old priest, his son, and a school, ch- a school teacher were all present. Oh. All startled, they ran out of the room. And the teacher, looking through the window alone, saw a big chest, like a trunk. Yeah, a trunk. I was thinking... Like a barrel chest. A, a, <laughs> a big chest. Oh, like a... When I first read it, it was like two in the morning, and I was like, a big chest? Why was he looking at that? Okay. Anyway. Oh, geez, keep your eyes up here, my friend. <laughs> Said Father Macaroni. <laughs> so, um... Okay, yeah. So he saw a, a big chest, and it stood against the wall, but it started moving backwards and forwards by itself, Great. as well as from side to side of its own volition. Um, only one young man had remained in the room, and when he saw the chest moving, a plank hidden in a corner sprang upon the young man and injured him. Oh. Then all again entered the room, and one of them proposed going on a pilgrimage to a St. Johannes at the convent of Sukzava. Sure, 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 sure. So sure. they were saying, like, let's go to a convent. Let's take her there. Like, we don't know what we're doing. Just drop her off somewhere else. <laughs> Us 14 strangers yeah. in town don't know what we're doing. We're getting smacked in the face with wooden planks. And there's, like, somebody's big chest is outside the window. <laughs> it's STD. This is unholy. It's Susan. Susan. <laughs> so at the name, and this uh, continuing, at the name of the saint being pronounced, because they said St. 
Johannes, Johannes. Mm-hmm. At the name at the name of the saint being pronounced, a stone was thrown against a picture of him that hung on the wall. Picture of Saint Johannes? Yeah. Oh no. Destroyed the picture and remained lodged in the wall. Oh no. Only the teacher was sufficiently courageous to remain in the room after that. Oh shit. He sat opposite a bench uh, of which was a can of water. Suddenly, this can of water was levitated 18 inches and came down on the other end of the bench without spilling a single drop of water. It's like, look what I can do. <laughs> yeah. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, like, all this is happening and there's many witnesses coming to Harry Price later and being like, this happened and we don't know what's going on. That's frightening, especially when, the yeah, I mean, listen, being raised Catholic, they do instill some quite some fear in you, especially when you're like, we said the name of a saint uh-huh. and the devil threw a rock at his photo. Like, that is yep. some creepy Catholic shit. And Harry Price, he was... One of those healthy skeptics. So um, I don't know if you remember from earlier episodes, but he was open minded, but also like prepared to debunk whatever he could. Um, right. And so at this point, I'm pretty sure he was like, OK, well, this wasn't done in a lab. There weren't really any proper experiments or observations. So like, who knows? Um, so going into it, which I'll mention later, going into this story, he did come with doubts because he heard stuff like that. And he was like, okay, well, like, surely there were wires or something. Yes, the water just like moving. It seems very like right. basic like someone stuff. Must have, when you're looking over here, someone else threw the rock. And Yeah, 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 yeah. So from here, they said like, oh, let's send her to a convent. So they took her to a convent where numerous exorcisms were performed on her and things got worse. Um, the exorcisms didn't work. She started snarling, growling. She herself started levitating. Uh-oh. And the exorcisms, uh, because they weren't working, I guess the convent was like, it's not our fault. She's just insane. Oh, that's nice. Yep. And apparently, I wish I knew more about this, but I tried looking into it and I couldn't find anything. They said that at this convent, um, she was treated, quote, comparable to the witchcraft persecutions of the 17th century. (gasps) Oh. Because, like, they didn't know what else to do. They were just, like, treating her like she was a, a witch. A witch, apparently. They put her in the water and, like, if she floats They were or ducking or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's what was happening to her. Yikes. But there, there was no... You would think that sentence alone would lead to a really interesting paragraph of notes. Nope. Nope. To figure it out yourself, I guess. Um, so the press starts covering her story, and it gets noticed by this psychic researcher named Fritz Grunwald. Oh, man. Um, who set off to meet Eleanor right away. And he interviewed her, he observed her, and he saw these forces for himself. He wanted to study her more. Um, he moved her back to the convent, because at one point I think she had, like, a little hiatus in a mental hospital. Um, he moved her back to the convent, and he witnessed, quote, Moving or levitating objects, other objects that seem to materialize out of nowhere, mysterious knocks or bangs, matches that seem to light by themselves, and even physical attacks which seem to indicate unseen hands pushing or slapping her. Oh, my. His goal was to keep researching her as long as he could and eventually write a whole book about this or do some research presentation about it. But three weeks into his investigation with her, he just drops out of a heart attack. Fritz did? Yep. Oh, no. Um. Oh, no. And her parents are like, well, we don't know what to do. And so they send her back to the, this quote, asylum. girl. She's like, I just wanted a Snickers bar. And now look what's <laughs> happened. Like, this is what happens when you eat candy. Kids. When the devil buys you some can- devil's lettuce, <laughs> some candy. The devil's lettuce, that's weed. <laughs> well, just listen, just let me have this. I don't speak English. You know that. I know that. Uh, so 
yeah, so they send her back to the asylum. So, like, her grandparents don't want her. Her parents don't want her. The convent doesn't want her. Priests this don't want her. This is very sad. So she goes to this mental hospital where they're treating her like a witch. <laughs> cool. Um, cool, 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 And so Grunwald, who, like, absolutely believed everything that was going on, drops dead. Great. One of his uh, friends, who happened to be a very rich countess in Vienna, mm. uh, named Zoe Wasilko Serecki. Jesus. We're going to call her Zoe. Big Z. <laughs> um, Big Mac and Big Z coming in hot <laughs> for the screen adaptation of the story that I'm inventing in my head. It's going to have something to do with, uh, I don't know. Oh, know. yeah. It's not you, it's not me, it's you, Yes. <laughs> I don't even remember. It'll be a song in there somehow. It's Zoe, not you, it's not me, it's It's Big Z. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so, I, she's a rich countess from Vienna, and she was one of Grunwald's friends. And apparently, she was also really interested in this research. And so, she reached out to Eleanor and said, I'll take you out of this mental institution if you let me continue Grunwald's work. Oh, um, and so <laughs> she's like, I'm just stuck in this awful place of like, I'm either here or I have to be like studied outside of here by <laughs> yeah. a rich countess. Then again, if a countess came to me and said, like, I'll take care of everything. That's true. I'd be like, all right, let's go. So uh, this is now almost a whole year later. This is 1926. So at this point now, Zoe paid Eleanor's parents so that she could have like, which could be like her guardian. Uh, took Eleanor to Vienna and she stayed at the Countess's place. Um, probably much nicer than a mental hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and Zoe, scientists and physicists from all over Austria were studying her and all witnessed the same phenomena that Grunwald did. Originally, the Countess had some doubts, um, but her original belief and taking Eleanor out of her home or out of where she had already been and taking her all the way to Vienna was that because she thought that the, to take a poltergeist or a demon or some sort of force that's manipulating you to take them far away kind of detaches them proximity wise to where they feel comfortable. And therefore maybe they lessens their power, lessens their powers. That was her thought. Okay. That's interesting. Nope. Oh, apparently wrong. (laughs) Never mind. Apparently not right. So the first big activity was that uh, she had an ink pot that threw itself across the room and smeared ink That's everywhere. That's a mess and a half. What a mess. What a uh, mess. She also she then locked all the ink away. Because remember, she still had her doubts that maybe Eleanor was doing She's this. like curling this across the room. Exactly. So she was like, I'm going to lock away all the ink so that can't happen again. Um, and limited where Eleanor could go in the house. So it's like you're only limited to these spaces. The other places don't have ink on the fucking walls. So (laughs) just stay here where you've already made a mess. So soon uh, water mysteriously started filling in Eleanor's boots. What? I don't know if she was wearing them or not. Oh, good good question. They started like just having water fill up. Standing water in them? Uh That's gross and weird. And I wonder how far up, like all the way to the top? or Were they sloshing? Calf or yeah. That sucks, though. That's the worst feeling. Wet socks. Ooh. Right? Yeah. If that ain't some devil's lettuce <laughs> business, I don't know what is. The theories you could come up while on the devil's lettuce <laughs> would be interesting. No comment. Um. So Zoe saw. Uh, Zoe saw that this was happening. She also saw that most activity was happening near Eleanor. So she was like, "Okay, this is kind of confirming that like maybe this is bullshit. Like it's only happening when she's around and by herself. So like maybe she's setting something up." Yeah. 
Um, so the countess started limiting more and more rooms that Eleanor could actually go to. And she basically ended up only living in the hallway in the servants quarters. Mm-hmm. So she really, it wasn't like that great of a, of a deal. Um, yeah, event- that sucks. Event- the hallway. <laughs> the hallway. Aww. Eventually, Zoe actually began uh, witnessing these things herself, though, and she started being more and more convinced that it wasn't Eleanor's fault. This was just like there really was some sort of demonic force following her. And she started logging all the activity that happened to Eleanor in the Countess's house. Okay. Um, and the Countess slash Zoe. I keep interchanging the names, but... Um, Zoe wrote 141 pages worth of activity and turned it into a book. Whoa. Um, And while Eleanor was in Vienna, Zoe recorded over a thousand events and uh, her record was 67 incidents in just one day. Whoa. So things were just going on left and right. And some of the things were objects materializing out of thin air and dropping from the ceiling. Things were disappearing and then showing up behind locked doors that Eleanor Ew. didn't have access to. Creepy. Um, furniture was moving. There were strange voices and she heard knocking all over, knocking and banging all over the house. Um, so Zoe also wrote this in the 1927 British journal of psychical research quote, once I entered my room and uh, once as in like one time. Yeah. One, once I entered my room, I'm saying it once I entered my room and looked at the window. Eleanor was standing behind me. Suddenly I saw a shadow which glided down slowly in front of the window. No, thank you. Not straight, but in a zigzag line. Oh, no. Then I heard a sound of something falling. I looked and saw an iron box with dominoes. The box was closed with some of the dominoes now laid next to it on the floor. Ooh. As if they like climbed out of the box and something. Ooh. Um. Eleonora also started going into trances and began automatic writing. Um, And one of the messages, which she wrote apparently in perfect Romanian, was the location of a set of keys that Zoe had lost a long time ago. (gasps) And later Zoe went to go check and the keys were there. (gasps) Just got chills. Some sources also say it's extra creepy because they believe Eleonora was, quote, completely illiterate. Although other people, including Harry Price, say, no, she could read it. Well, they called her a simple peasant girl, which it gives the impression that uh-huh. they really are not uh, estimating her intelligence at a high level. No, it not doesn't that sound that's like they believe in true. her. Right, much. exactly. <laughs> exactly. But it, it is more interesting to me when a child is automatic writing than when like a full grown man like that last yeah, guy. Yeah, she's 11 or 12, Dan or so. whatever the hell his name was. You, were, I, you remember. I remember. You remember Dan. But so... Uh, so a lot of people like to add to it saying that she couldn't read or write, but apparently she could. Okay. Um, at least according to Harry Price. Um, some, oh, so this is also, uh, the next two things I have to say are long quotes from Harry Price's book. Um, so basically after all this is happening, she's still in the press. People are still trying to get updates about what's going on with like the ghost girl of Romania. And through the press, um grunwald before he died also had written a report about her okay for the press to be like i'm the one on site this is what's happening right and harry price read that and read that report and that's how he found out about i see um so he was kind of interested but then his friend who actually was a professor at vienna university Mm -hmm. said like no like she's over here now and like i'm hearing about stuff like you have to check out this girl wow so harry price goes to vienna and this was their this was what he wrote about their first meeting okay the countess and i seated ourselves on the couch and watched eleanor playing with a toy that fascinated her a spring gun that projected a ping pong ball which was caught in a sort of conical wire basket attached to the gun 
Suddenly, as she wa- uh, suddenly as we watched, the ball came into pieces, falling at our feet. The girl ran to the countess and asked her to mend it. She jumped up, and so did I. As I watched my hostess examining the join, uh, a steel stiletto with a handle used to open letters, about 10 inches long, shot across the room from behind me <gasps> and fell against the closed door. Oh, my God. I instantly... So a letter opener is now... Fl- so a knife is flying. Yeah, up. those are very sharp. Um sharp enough that if it's flying at me i'm scared yeah those i mean i say that as someone who like injures themselves on every <laughs> item but like a letter opener is not dangerous is dangerous definitely enough for us yeah. <laughs> i instantly turned around and it revealed nothing and no one that could have possibly projected the stiletto which was normally kept on the writing table behind us um let me say at once that no one in that room and certainly not eleonora could have thrown the paper knife uh, we were at least 10 feet from the table. I had both Eleonora and the countess in full view. Eleonora had one half of the ball in her right hand and the gun in her left. The countess had the other half of the ball in her hand. And I was actually watching both my hostess and the child. Um, and the stiletto came from behind into the right of us. And I was between the missile and the door. It was a brilliant introductory phenomenon. Whoa. And then he says this. I will not describe the many other manifestations I witnessed during the days I spent in Vienna as they have been detailed elsewhere in this book. But the phenomenon included, he's like, I'm not going to talk about it. Yeah, he's like, find it yourself. (laughs) (laughs) But the phenomenon included the precipitation of a small mirror, a large black cloth dog that I guess she used to cuddle with. Yeah. Shot from the side of the room over the partition and fell onto the coal scuttle near the bed. No one was near the dog than no one was more near the dog than 10 feet. And Eleonora at the moment of the flight was pushing a table against the wall using both of her hands. Then I saw a cushion on one of the chairs begin to move. And as I watched, it slid slowly off the chair and fell to the floor. No one was near it. After the after each of these phenomena and many others, I examined the room, the furniture, etc. But everything was normal. I reiterate that there were no wires, threads, spring releases, rubber bands, or compressed air tubes. You know he was looking. Like, he was looking he hard. Wasn't... At this point, he's like been doing this for a while, and he's like keeping an eye out for who could be doing this. Yeah, and he had doubts. He was like, "I want to debunk this." What the hell? So he uh, basically, if you remember from my previous stories about him, he created the uh nas- the national lab for psychical research right the nlpr um which i think is now nomas oh. I, I think Mom-mom. didn't he all of his stuff is now part of like the, the the library there yes and i said that sounds like the coolest library ever yeah they have like it's called like basically like dark arts or some shit like it's like all of his personal <laughs> chamber books. of secrets um so uh they brought her to that lab with the countess she came along and uh they observed her in his lab so that way they could do like real experiments and have it all you know completely observed right um and the activity continued in the lab and there was nothing they could figure out objects would disappear and reappear in locked cabinets he one time saw a coin that moved across the table and fall by itself and everyone was at least like up to 13 feet away from the coin when that happened so he said that that event was quote the first telekinetic phenomenon of eleanora's witnessed at the lab Mm. um she also kept getting injuries on her body there's one article from the sunday mail that said uh 
uh, a party was taking place in the laboratory when Eleonora, in the act of raising her teacup to her lips, gave a cry of pain and rolled up her sleeve. On her forearm appeared what seemed to be the marks of teeth deeply <gasps> indented into her flesh Ew. as if she or someone else had bitten fiercely into her arm. The marks turned from red to white and finally took the form of white raised wheels. Uh, what? They gradually faded, but were still noticeable after an hour or so. And everyone's together. They would have seen someone bite her. If she bit herself, too. Like, that's yeah. not a subtle movement. Especially when, like, your job is to observe her. <laughs> Especially under a sleeve. Yeah. So, Ugh, God. Apparently. So Harry Price then said that Eleanor was experiencing, quote, telekinetic phenomena. Duh. Um, which was confirmed by many, many witnesses in the lab. One of them was Captain Seton Carr, who said, I was present on October 5th when the so-called stigmatic uh, markings appeared on her face, arms, and forehead. Uh-oh, here we go. Under con- shit again. Under conditions which absolutely precluded the possibility of Eleanor producing them by scratching or other normal means. The marks were photographed in my presence. So, like... <sighs> Stigmata freaks me out. Like, that whole thing freaks me out. And everyone's saying, like, I mean, this is just one account, but so many people are like, I saw this shit and, like, nobody did it. There's no reason for this. Poor child. Um, There were still skeptics. Um, There was someone who led this big theory that um, Eleanor was scratching herself with, like, a, like a bad setting on her ring. <gasps> So they were. They thought that like when no one's looking, she could just be itching her arm, but she's like really scratching up her skin. Oh. Um, but I, I forgot. I f- didn't get to add this in. But there was um, a documentary that was filmed about her and original footage. If you look at it, she was never wearing jewelry. Oh, so that kind of debunks that argument. Yeah, unless she's like using fingernails or something. Right. Um. So. Uh, let's see. And apparently Harry Price, the National Lab for Psychical Research, and uh, the Countess of Vienna were all like, no, that's not true. And they sued him for libel. Oh, really? For the jewelry thing? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. And uh, they said, uh, this is a quote from them saying, I could, or Harry Price, I could fill my pages with accounts of the phenomena we witnessed under scientific conditions during Eleanor's stay in London. Her visit caused the greatest interest among scientists and others who attended the observational periods. And uh, in 1926, there's so there's one article called um, there's this one site called Euro Paranormal, and they said that the the bite marks that they that they looked like um, they were wondering like oh could that have been Eleanor's teeth or someone else and so they checked the teeth marks to make sure that it didn't match with anybody in the rooms anytime there wow. were and it never matched anybody um, which was super gross and creepy it is creepy (laughs) and uh apparently zoologists also tested the saliva and apparently quote according to euro paranormal the substance was found to be teeming with microorganisms different to those found in the mouth what though there was some doubt as to whether it was spittle at all because swarming in the white substance were bacteria for staph infection std oh my god (laughs) just kidding wow that's horrific so they're like we don't even know if it was spit it was somebody is foaming at the mouth with staff yep and it's not it doesn't bite anyone's teeth marks and it doesn't fit the the chemistry of also someone else like a human mouth if she's like doing this with her fingers or whatever like why would that yeah produce any sort of 
liquid or, or teeth ugh. mark looking things like ugh. it doesn't even look like teeth marks oh my god ew so uh basically harry price's final theory is kind of a common theory today where um eleanor he says this is kind of depending on who you are you could see this as like a total bullshit theory because basically it's an unsolved mystery they never figured it out they don't know to this day what happened but the way psychologically that harry price explained it was that um basically she was prepubescent and going into puberty and that's usually the time mm. when spirits are most drawn like to to kids yeah, like because they're impressionable energy. and vulnerable and have a lot of anxiety hormones. and stress and hormones <laughs> their chemistry is already totally fully out of whack that they're kind of just easy prey for dark spirits right um and so he believes his like final theory on all of it was that because she was um younger and she was prepubescent and she was going obviously through a lot of stress and anxiety um, and like it was at, being called a witch in a mental ho- i mean this is yeah, a lot but she was just easy prey and he also said that she was probably producing subconscious um telekinetic energy oh. due to a troubled past there's allegedly a storyline where Eleanor told Zoe the Countess that she had been assaulted as a oh, child. No, um, we don't know if that was true or not, but that has led a lot of people to think that she became obsessed with the devil as a way of channeling her rage. Right. Um, oh God. Oh God. So Harry Price calls this the Dracu complex. Oh uh, yeah. So this is a quote during her early childhood when the phenomenon became first apparent. The people in town threatened her so often with Jakku for all the things she did, like taking candy and stuff. I mean, really? Um, They threatened her with Jakku and what he would do to her, that she subconsciously became obsessed with the idea of what would happen to her. Um, Uh, Manifesting it. Yeah. Like grandma did. Yeah. Basically, you tell her enough, she's going to start believing it. Yeah. It's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. And that she deserves whatever terrible demonic stuff is happening. She basically, he basically said if you remove the Dracu complex, the girl would probably no longer be troubled. Um, even if, uh, but then he did add, even if we discovered the cause of the stigmata and this, you know, if that is really what it is, it's just her brain creating this. We still cannot claim to have unraveled the mystery of the telekinetic movements of the coins, etc. We have merely proved that they happen. Yes, yeah, so it's true. So he's like, we still can't explain a lot of the Where weird those shit. Rock, wet rocks are coming from. Right. He basically said that, like, I can give you a psychological reason for why things might be happening, but it doesn't explain not physically how. what's going on. Right. Um, and so it basically just supports the normal poltergeist theory. It's called um, RSPK, the um, recurrent spontaneous psychokinesis, Whoa. which is basically... Um, it's just like when you're younger and you have all this energy, you're unaware of what you're able to manifest. And it's like channeling. Some... And it's coming out. And it's basically like you have sub subconscious telekinetic powers that you're able to use because you're still younger and impressionable right. and don't know what you're doing. So a lot of people that go through that, they don't realize that they are subconsciously power enough to actually powerful enough to actually manifest things in weird ways and they're usually unaware that they're the cause of it right and so they're afraid of something which is they're afraid of what they're actually creating and so they think this thing is going to attack me and because they manifested it and control it it, 
it actually does hurt them. Oh so it becomes this cycle. God. I'm scared of this thing. I don't understand. It's going to hurt me. And then it does because it's all coming from the same person. You're saying it's going to hurt me, right? Yes. Oh my God. Um. So uh, basically, you're the, you're the target of your own energy, essentially. Awful. So the theory has been supported, especially because this is like where people really believe, like, okay, like that's a theory, but it turns out that it could be pretty valid at least in this case because in 1928 upon hitting puberty uh eleanor's activity completely stopped Aha. so they think that a combination of her just kind of like having this like weird you know mental power ver- and on top of it being a prepubescent impressionable kid once she hit adolescence it was just like wow it just stopped yeah well, that's good so there uh there's a research paper out there um, called Eleonora Zugun, the reevaluation of a historic RSPK case. Um, and it was in the Journal of Parapsychology in 1999. And the case called this whole, or uh, the research paper called this whole case a, un- a unique experience in several aspects, but primarily in the sheer number of phenomena recorded because there were over 3,000 right. incidences. Th- that were incidences. <laughs> there were 3,000 incidents. Yeah. This is. Now I don't know. <laughs> Over 3,000 events were recorded, and almost 900 of them were, according to scientific conditions, they were extremely well established. So there's. It wasn't just like hearsay. It was like we would right. witness this. Like almost a third of the oh events. Oh my God. Scientists just cannot figure out. Um, and also, there's another quote from Europaranormal that Eleanor became the most closely observed, investigated, and tested poltergeist girl of the 20th century. She's the first poltergeist case in which Freudian psychoanalysis came to be applied, because they were thinking, oh, because she's an, an she's an adolescent and she's got she's hormonal and she's like doesn't she's not even thinking straight. Well, there's also the stuff about like being abused as a child or whatever. You know, that that other thing. I don't even know if that was Freud, but I'm sure. Well, I'm sure I mean, Freud had a field day with that. Everything's one. from childhood, right? Right. Uh, and then apparently this case was the first to link, like I said, adolescence and poltergeist activity, which is now a common really? theory yeah. that if you're an adolescent, you're more inclined susceptible. to it's more susceptible. Exactly. This was the first one. That's interesting. So what ended up happening to her is she studied hairdressing, moved back to Romania, got married, and she died in 1999 or 1998. And to this day, she's still one of the most mysterious poltergeist cases ever recorded with no explanation from many scientists and witnesses she lived to be almost like 100 right because if she was she was 11 and 25 so she was born in 14 so yeah 14 and 98 i don't want to do that 80 something but 90 (laughs) at least she lived a long fruitful life after puberty yeah (laughs) without draku without draku that is horrifying um Anyway. And I'm glad I am no longer in that phase of my life because I didn't need Draku. I was my own Draku in that phase of my life. I believe Just it. read my journal on my poetry. I believe it. I believe it's it. It's really bad. I can't. I'm Draku, like, is it Draku or are you just listening to a lot of Fall Out Boy? You it's know? like it could be either. They're really similar. I have a hunch you were <laughs> just the American Eleonora. <laughs> oh, no surprise there, I guess. Um well, thank you, Em. That was scary. Uh, I have a case for you here. Now, this is very interesting because I started researching this and then I did that thing where I went, why is this so familiar? Crap, have I covered it? Oh, I hate that I feeling. I know, it's awful. Have you covered it before? So then I went and I was like, I swear I've covered this. And I looked in uh, like the list of yeah. our cases and I was like, I haven't done it before. And then I realized I had covered it in Milwaukee 
at our uh-huh. live show. But so then I was like, well, shit, I still want to cover it because we've never, I don't think we've so ever So these are released. live show notes? Yeah, they, or they were. I, I redid them for like, you know. You, you enhanced them. You I zhuzhed enhanced, them up. I zhuzhed them up. Yep. Because they were um, shorter when we did a live show. But so, and I like re-listened to a bunch of old podcasts and stuff um, that Milwaukee. covered this. What were we doing in Milwaukee? Eating cheese curds. That was me. You're not uh-huh. a cheese person. But I was eating cheese and drinking beer. Was that Wine and Crime? Did they come to that show? Um, Minneapolis. Minneapolis, right. I, I know it's an M. Minnesota. Sorry. I just wanted a chance to talk about the Haunted Bears again. That's why. The Haunted Bears were that trip. <laughs> this was right before the Webbies, yeah. Mm, so right. last May. Um, and you know what? So one of the episodes I listened to was My Favorite Murder covered this live in Milwaukee also. Oh, really? And I remember when I did it. I don't know if they did it before or after me, pro- probably right around the same time because it was near the end of their tour. Um, so I feel bad for anyone who came to both shows, heard it twice, <laughs> and now you're hearing it a third time. But I just love this case, and I don't think you're going to remember it because there was a lot that I didn't even remember okay, and had to re-research. So um, I'm excited to just tell you all over again. I certainly don't remember a single thing. Currently. We barely remember what happened yesterday, let alone what happened in Milwaukee. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so, I thought it was also Minneapolis. So. Yeah. Milwaukee was great in Madison. I loved Wisconsin. Anyway, okay. This is the story of Lori Bimbenek. Hmm. Do you know it? Probably not. Okay, good, good, good. So I just went, ah, I remember it. Not at all. Yeah, you went, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> you did the very knowing nod. I just um, wanted you to feel included or <laughs> thanks. heard. I wanted you to hear feel I heard. Do, you know, I do feel heard. Um, so this took place May 28th, 1981. Uh, sometime around 2 a.m., 11-year-old Sean Schultz, <gasps> I know, and his seven-year-old brother, Shannon Schultz, <gasps> wake up to the sound of an intruder in their house. Ugh. Sean gets on the landline, calls a family friend, and says, someone hurt mommy. Oh, crap. Yeah. The boy's mother was named. Do you have a guess? M. Schultz. Christine Schultz. Shut up. (laughs) I'm not making this up. And I know I told you this at some point on stage, but I don't remember. I don't remember at all. It must have been the exact same scenario playing out as right now. But probably they're probably the people who came to the show were like, we know what's happening. Yeah, 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 yeah. We already saw M react. Christine Schultz. Christine Schultz. It is really unsettling to hear other people tell the story and they're like, and then Christine Schultz. And I'm like, huh? It like throws me off every time. It's like, you're not supposed to know about our future yet, Christine. I know. When we get hitched, when we say Allison Blaze. And hopefully I don't get murdered because that seems to be the outcome. Maybe we're supposed to know about this. So we change our own future. That's right. Let's just not get married. This is the only reason we're not getting married, I guess. That's it. I guess. The only one. Because I don't feel like getting married. I'm murdered. Me either. Yeah. I don't want to deal with it. It all sounds really. I already bled all over the. uh, The window window unit was enough blood for the month. Yeah. I think we're okay. Um, So the boy's mother was named Christine Schultz. She's. I know. Is it Schultz without a T? It is with a T. Okay. I know. So. Oh, well. Makes it a little different. She was a single mom who had recently been divorced from her husband, Fred Schultz. Alfred, but Fred Schultz. And he... Allison? Alfred. Okay. Listen. Nope. Uh, Alfred Schultz, a local cop who went by Fred. So as fucked up luck would have it, the cop who happened to be on duty and is called first to the scene is none other than Fred himself. Ooh. To the scene of his ex-wife's murder and his children are there. I always thought there was like a rule where i maybe i'm thinking of hospitals where like you're not allowed to perform on your own family i think that's a hospital okay i don't know if that was a cop thing where like 
I mean, I think if it's, it's your address, you don't get to go I or think something. Maybe if they had known, I don't know if it was intentional, but he just happened to be on duty. So I, I don't know. I mean, you're right. You, you, you'd think that wouldn't be necessarily protocol, um, right? To invite. But then again, if like if I heard my if I were a cop and I heard my address, I'm not going to sit around and like and not you know go your sons are out. there, your kids yeah. are there, exactly. So he went to the scene. He arrives. He's attempting to comfort his distraught kids, and investigators are asking the boys what they witnessed. So Sean, who's the 11 year old. Yeah. says he heard what sounded like a firecracker well, but was soon identified as an execution style bullet <gasps> so oh, the, no. yeah so the boys had followed the noise which is just like out of any horror movie i mean they followed the noise and had found their mom in bed her arms and legs were bound and a bullet was through her back she was like face down in the bed oh my god uh okay. yeah he said he and his brother had tried to bandage their mother's wounds before calling for help yeah it's really that's really fucked up dark sean also described the man he had seen as being around six feet tall wearing a green tracksuit with a red ponytail that looked sort of like a wig oh i remember the green tracksuit and ponytail yeah that one's very specific um that's kind of where i started to be like i know this story a wig okay i feel like i remember the wig the wig comes into play okay so this was by the way i remember at the live show after you said like the children are bandaging their own mother up yeah that was when we said I hope you enjoyed the funny part of the show because yeah. it's over now. Yeah, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. This is one of those that that uh, straddled the line of, mm, yeah. is this too much? I gotta say, I've never met anyone more brave than you. <laughs> at least 50 different cities, you've gone on the stage and bummed everyone out. <laughs> Made everyone feel like shit. And, you just, and then you just went home afterwards. And then I <laughs> pulled out my old notes and did it again because I just can't stop myself. Yeah, exactly. So here we are. Um... So, of course, so he's wearing this. So they said he was wearing this green tracksuit and had a red ponytail that looked sort of like a wig. Right. So, of course, one of the first people they look into is the husband or the ex-husband in this case. Um, they questioned Fred about his whereabouts. He said he and his partner had been on duty and called to a burglary. But Fred had lied because oh. when they looked into a story, they realized he and his partner had not been called to a burglary. They were actually out drinking on and duty. he just showed up at his house. No, they were on duty, but they were they were like, oh, oh, we were uh, at a burglary scene when you called us in. No, they were at a bar. I see. I see. I see. So they had been out getting drunk. Drinking on the job. Drinking on the job. But it was still an alibi because people at the bar were like, yes, Fred was at the bar with us God. drinking. He was just hoping his own like boss probably didn't it, yeah, find out. Yeah. He was just out. like, that wasn't supposed to be part yeah. of the plan. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, it really wasn't me. But like, also, please, God, don't tell my boss. Like, it really wasn't me. I only had one beer. Uh-huh. Let's just leave it there. <laughs> So next, they examined both his service revolver and his off-duty gun, and they determined that his off-duty gun was the murder weapon. So strange. Not a good look, Not a good look. Fred swears up and down he had nothing to do with this. The gun was kept in a gym bag in his closet, and only one other person had access. His new bride, 22-year-old Lorencia Lori Bembenek. Okay. So he's like, I didn't do it. I was at the bar. And they're like, who else has access to your gun? He's like, oh, nobody but my new wife. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So they interview Lori, and she said she was home that night, but that she doesn't have an alibi. Nobody had seen her or, like, right. could confirm this. Um, she's really cool, calm, and collected, but she swears she had, did not kill her husband's ex. Um, however, on June 24th, 1981, she's arrested for the first-degree murder of Christine Schultz, her husband's ex-wife. Right. So Lori Bimbenek was this young, beautiful woman. She's 22. She had no history of violence. Um, On the surface, didn't seem to fit like the classic profile of a murderer. 
Um, she actually was a former police officer uh, and actually like the story about, okay, she's a former police officer, but while training at the Milwaukee Police Academy, she had met and become friends with another trainee named Judy, Judy Zess. And at a concert, Judy Zess was arrested for smoking marijuana. And because Lori was with her, she was also fired, even though she claimed she hadn't been smoking it. Um, so she had been fired from the police force. Despite her history in law enforcement, what really caught the attention of the public were Lori's brief stints modeling and working as a waitress at a local Playboy club at a lo- local Playboy club on Lake Geneva. So she's this like young, gorgeous blonde woman. She had been featured as Miss March in the Schlitz Beer Brewing Company calendar. Oh. Like she was then. So they harped on even though she had been a police officer they harped on this like playboy aspect sure. of her past where she had just framing her in the worst framing her as like this like beautiful young blonde who was now a murder suspect like because it just was such a media sense it became this media sensation gotcha. because like it's just a wild story to see this like tiny blonde like kind of uh you know playboy waitress character no it's definitely more interesting yes it's definitely like, a story unique. yeah yeah so uh newspapers started calling Lori Bambi Bambenic because she had these like big uh, eyes, doe eyes. I'm trying to remember that. Yeah. Okay. So they called her Bambi, um, which a lot of people still call her, but it was not ever her name. Like that was just what the media called her. So uh, so they started calling her Bambi. Um, the prosecution portrayed Bambi as a loose woman addicted to expensive living who wanted Christine Schultz dead so that her new husband would no longer have to keep paying her alimony. I see. So they claim that Bimbenek was the only person with the motive, means, and opportunity. Like, she had access to the gun. She has no alibi. And she has a motive. So they're like, well, here you go. Not a cute look. Not a cute look. Um, So they also had evidence. Two human hairs were found at the crime scene, and they matched ones taken from Lori's hairbrush. Okay. So her hair was found at the scene. Okay. Not a good look. Still definitely not a good look. <laughs> no. Um, so they're like nailing this shut. Close case. In addition to her access to the murder weapon, Lori also had a key to Christine Schultz's home. Wow. Fred had... It's se- just stacking it just, up. This is not good. Yeah. It just keeps adding to it. Fred had secretly made a copy of his son Sean's key without telling his ex-wife that he was like making a copy Ooh, from his own kid's look. key set. Not good. Um, For what it's worth, Sean, the 11-year-old, said he did not believe his stepmom was the one that he had seen in the house. And he said that on the stand, but he's 11, so it's like, right? is that enough to outweigh her hair was there? Like, you're potentially going to jail, like, and you're like, it's only determined on an 11-year-old's testimony. Right, and he said, like, oh, I don't think it was her, but also, like, you know, if she had been wearing a wig, they were like, well, you don't we can't trust that you knew that. Um, so it gets worse for Lori's case. So witnesses testified that Lori had often spoken of killing Christine Schultz <gasps> okay, at dinner well. parties. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. She just like casually told everyone she wanted her dead. So no, there we go. Ding, ding, ding. Wow. Well, <laughs> that's it. Sorry, Bambi. Yeah. <laughs> the prosecution produced a witness who said Lori offered to pay him to carry out the murder. And according to multiple witnesses, Lori owned a green jogging suit similar to the one described by Schultz's son, Sean. Okay. It gets worse. Like, literally, there's more. So is it just her? Is that what happened? There's more evidence. <laughs> it's like, how does it? I'm waiting for you to be like, but wait. But, but wait, there's more. But wait, there's another person. But it person. just keeps going. Okay, great. So they found in the plumbing system of Lori's apartment, they found a red wig. 
Bye. Okay. In the pipes. Okay. I feel like I've said bye a lot. Bye. <laughs> I just like, I'm just writing off the whole point. I'm like, I'm over Bye it. bye, Bambi. It. We're done with this. Yeah. So she, they find a red wig in the plumbing system. It's like, okay, well, bye. Um, on March 9th, 1982, Lori Bambi Van was found guilty of first degree murder and sentenced to life in prison. Um, she, so this seems like an open and shut case, as we just said, but there is a twist that's what i thought was gonna happen i know i was like too short i was like there's no way are you just this story could have been done in five minutes what are you talking about no it keeps going so although fred had initially stood by his wife's side championing her as innocent he later changed his mind and publicly stated as soon as she was in jail that he believed Lori was quote guilty as sin oh so he just turned on her What? Uh uh-huh and meanwhile while she's in jail, uh, Fred wrote Lori a letter in prison saying he had moved in. He had moved to Florida and moved in with a 19-year-old. Uh, oh, a and, spinster. A spinster. <laughs> and was now ending their marriage. Yikes. And actually, according to my favorite murder episode, actually, he wrote her a letter that said goodbye and good luck. Oh, shit. The first night she got to jail. Also, I'd be scared, like, if I thought that my current girlfriend had killed my ex-wife. Yeah. And that I would not be so bold as to be like also i'm breaking up with you. like i'd be like i'd let the situation also, like, die down a little bit <laughs> right i guess he waited till she was in jail to be and like, he was in a you. different state he and he moved like, to florida right also i wouldn't tell her i look i would be like moving to like kentucky and tell her i moved to hawaii yeah yeah and, like, exactly that's a good point you know what i mean yeah that's a good point but he just felt really confident he was his, really bold he was very bold and he basically wrote her a letter that said goodbye and good luck and then uh, moved to Florida with a 19-year-old and said, fuck you, basically. Okay. Um, so after her imprisonment, so while she's in jail, she starts to kind of put this the pieces together and realizes she thinks she's been framed by Fred for his wife, ex-wife's murder. Huh. So she's starting to think, like, somebody framed me because I thought my husband this whole time was, like, championing for me, whatever. And then the second I'm in jail, he's like, nope, she's guilty. Bye. And like pieces. Yeah, out. it seems like oh, he w- he looked like he was on my side until all of a sudden he was in the clear. He got what he wanted, or yeah. and now he uh huh. That he okay. was in the clear, right? Exactly. So she's like, something's off. Somebody is planting something. I got framed for this, is what she starts to believe. So she filed three unsuccessful appeals of her conviction, citing police errors and handling of key evidence, and the fact that one of the prosecution's witnesses, Judy Zess, the one who she had used to uh, work with, yeah had recanted her testimony stating that she had made the testimony under duress. So she had made a testimony saying, oh, I heard her say she wanted Christine dead. Okay. And then after Lori went to jail, she said, I'm recanting my testimony. I was pressured into saying that. And it wasn't true. Oh, okay. So now Lori's writing uh, these appeals and saying like, listen, this one witness is literally recanting her testimony. Yeah. Like we need to reassess this case. Um, so Lori and her supporters also alleged that Milwaukee police may have singled her out because she was currently a key witness in a federal inv- investigation into police corruption in Milwaukee. Ooh. So it turns out she was like a key player in this big police scandal. Sure. And she was sort of like a whistleblower. And uh-huh. so now she's saying like, OK, clearly, like this is just a big conspiracy against me. And that's what her supporters are saying. So there's a little background here. After she was fired for that marijuana charge, even though it was not proven that she was actually smoking marijuana, um, she had found all these like photos of these male cops and they were like naked and they were at this like picnic and I think like drunk or on drugs. I don't know what they were doing, but it was like very incriminating photos of these officers. And so she sent them to the Milwaukee police basically being like, you fired me for like saying I was at a concert smoking weed. Right. But, like these people have these photos, evidence of them like behaving this way and they're not getting and- it kind of like it can be corroborated too of like what like wasn't fred like 
drinking on the job and stuff too like yeah that's true he was also exactly so i don't know if he was fired for that but like it's like at least proven that like he had there's other signs that he was not entirely professional and she's the only one being fired right uh so she's she'd found these photos sent them to the police and saying like you fired me but not them and then the federal government heard about this and open investigation opened an investigation into the milwaukee police department based on her findings and they believed this is alleged they this is what the government believed they believed that the department was getting money from the government to hire women and minorities and then finding reasons to fire them during the probationary period so that they would get the money for hiring minorities and women oh yuck and then fire them so that they could just get rid of them Uh and so she's like well you fired me and judy right while i was going through training right for like allegedly smoking pot right and now there's all these male cops just running around being like crazy and they're not getting in trouble so it's just not not a good look as we like to say um so quickly quickly it's turning into something we say often devolving and by often i mean always sometimes always (laughs) (laughs) you know what i always sometimes say potatoes (laughs) are the rocks of nature i frequently never do it (laughs) but you know (laughs) yes thank you i'm glad finally someone understands me i often get it so look So Lori is a key player in this like federal investigation. And while this is going on, like before this murder of Christine, suddenly her car is being keyed rats. She's finding rats on her windshield. Like people are harassing her. um, Her supporters are essentially now saying police set her up for this because they wanted her put away because she was drawing attention and opening this investigation. So um, her supporters also suggested that Fred Schultz may have arranged to have someone else murder his ex-wife. And one possible candidate that they were eyeing was a guy named Frederick Horenberger. And he was a career criminal who briefly worked with Fred on a remodeling project and happened to be a former boyfriend of Judy Zess. Uh So that's Lori's friend who had testified against her and then recanted her testimony. And her ex-boyfriend is this guy, Frederick, who also knew Fred. They're all intermingling in some way. A lot of friends. It's very Degrassi. Very Degrassi. (laughs) Um, And so, uh, Chris, Um, I have, sorry, I have one eye that I can see out of. I keep keep forgetting which one it is. (laughs) It's your left one. Thank you. Uh So it's getting fishy. Um, It turns out Frederick Hornberger had actually robbed and beaten Judy Zess several weeks prior to Christine Schultz's murder. And what was he wearing during the attack on Judy? A green tracksuit and a red wig. Bingo. Pulled into a ponytail. Bingo. So he went to jail for that attack. And a number of witnesses say he boasted to other inmates that he had been the one to kill Christine. And like people oh. have been known to like say things and brag about things that aren't true. But it didn't help. Didn't help. Didn't help. What's more, the evidence itself, which seemed so solid during the trial, started to raise some doubts as well. So remember how they found that hair at the scene that matched Lori's? Yes. Well, a hair analyst analyst from a crime lab in Madison named Diane Hansen refuted the claim saying she had absolutely no idea who decided these were similar hairs because they were different colors. Oh, blonde. They were, the hairs found were Brown and Lori is blonde. And she's like, I, there is no, she said, I do not like to suggest that evidence was altered in any way, but I can find no logical explanation for what amounted to the apparent appearance of blonde hair in an envelope that contained no such hair at the time it was sealed by me. So Ooh. she was like, I don't know what happened. I'm not saying you screwed with evidence, but you screwed with evidence. Uh-huh. And um, I'm not saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying it sometimes. Yeah. Never, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I would never always say that. Exactly. What but I, I sometimes 
often say it. That's exactly what I was thinking. I'm glad you get it. God, it's like not even funny anymore, but I can't stop doing it. <laughs> it's really like weirdly mind bending. <laughs> um, so remember the wig they found in Lori's plumbing? That mm-hmm. was also very damning evidence, right? So there was a wig in the plumbing. It turns out that the plumbing system in Lori's apartment was shared by the neighboring apartment. Okay. And the woman who lived there said, it was the strangest thing. This woman had knocked on my door around the time of the murder and asked to use my bathroom. So I let her use the bathroom. And after she used it, the plumbing was like totally destroyed. Ew. And who was the stranger at the door? It was Judy Zess. I see. So essentially, Judy Zess had gone to Lori's neighbor's house and flushed this wig down the toilet to get it in the plumbing, which is like very involved. Yeah. A lot of thinking went into it. A lot of planning. That's not an accident. Yeah. And it the wig was found in Lori's plumbing, just like they wanted, you know. Um, wow. And so Judy had basically been put up to, to this task of going to the neighbor saying, can I use your bathroom and flushing a red wig down the toilet. I didn't even know you could Is flush a wig wild? down a toilet. It seems like a... Ba- well, you can't, clearly. I mean, <laughs> proven. Please don't, because it doesn't end well. Um, so even more shocking was that a fresh look at the case revealed that six of the eight swabs taken at the scene had semen on them, but that evidence had been completely suppressed mm. during the original trial. And if that's not... So she is not producing the semen. Right. Uh, purportedly, you'd think so, at least. Right. Um, and so even though there was semen found at the scene, they just like shoved that under the rug and Got said, it. no, it was Lori. Okay. Like discounting where the semen would have come from. Right? Sure. So um, if that's not enough, a team of four experts compared the size and shape of the muzzle imprint to the alleged murder weapon, the one in the, the duffel bag. And they said it was irrefutably impossible for Fred's off-duty gun to have been the murder weapon. Okay. So this essentially dismantles the entire case. Which is so weird because for a long time, everything was so stacked up against Perfectly. her. And now it's all... Now none of it is true. It really was a perfect plan. They really had it. Until someone like... Like, Until Judy recanted and said, I take uh-huh. it back. And then all of a sudden it unravels. Right. Um, especially if Judy says, I was the one who flushed it down the toilet yeah. next door, you know. Full-blown admitting. Whoops. Um, so this is just all very crazy. So alas, Lori's... So she's appealing this case saying, like, clearly this is all not true. Her appeals were rejected over and over again. So even really? though she's appealing and saying, look at this, like, clearly this evidence was mishandled. Um, her appeals are being rejected but she did the best she could she made the most of her time in prison she earned a bachelor's degree uh in prison she helped found a prison the prisoner's newspaper um so she's like you know living her life even though she's clearly very frustrated she can't get out um she also and had been framed clearly she also met and became engaged to her cellmate's brother a factory worker named dominic giuliato then on july 15th 1990 the unthinkable happened. What? Lori escaped from <gasps> prison. Oh. She had climbed through a laundry room window and was picked up by Dominic, her fiance, from the outside. Huh. And they were spotted two days later in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin, but she and Dominic fled to Thunder Bay, Ontario, in a car that said just married, even though <gasps> they weren't, but they were like okay. playing a playing they, a ruse. Yeah, they drove into Canada being like, Oh, we're newly married, we're just like going on a honeymoon, whatever. And um they got into Canada. And um, 
Lori's escape reignited publicity surrounding this whole Bambi case. Like Bambi has escaped from jail. Like she became uh-huh. like a folk hero because there was a song written about her. T-shirts were sold with the slogan "Run Bambi Run." <laughs> there were bumper stickers that said "Run Bambi Run." Like why don't we have a shirt like that? No, we should. Um, so while on the run, uh, Lori used the name Jennifer Gazana and got a job working as a waitress and a fitness instructor. And then on October 17th, 1990, just over three months after her escape, Lori and Dominic were arrested after a tourist noted that noticed that her waitress looked a lot like the woman who was just featured on America's Most Wanted. I see. Yeah. So Dominic Giuliato was deported to the States and sentenced to a year in prison for his role in her escape. But Lori refused to go down easy. Her attorney advised her to seek refugee status in Canada. <gasps> So she was like, I'm I'm being persecuted by a conspiracy between the police department and the Wisconsin judicial system. So the Canadian government showed some sympathy for her. And before returning her, they did send her back to Wisconsin, but they made the state promise they'd conduct a judicial review of her case before just throwing her right oh. back in jail. God so damn, I love that. I know. So thank you, Canada. Um, though they didn't find evidence of crimes by the police, they did detail seven major police blunders in Lori's original trial, so she won the right to a new trial at this point. Oh, nice. But, but rather than risk a second conviction, which obviously she's like, I'm not doing this again, sure. um, she pleaded no contest to second-degree murder, and because she had already served 10 years, she was released only three hours after the hearing. So she had already <laughs> put in her 10 years of time right. and was like, okay. Um so after her release, Lori had it, it's it actually ends pretty sadly because after her release, she had a lot of legal and health problems. She d- was diagnosed with hepatitis C, PTSD, alcoholism, and as a way to cope with her PTSD, Lori started uh, her tra- she revisited her childhood hobby, which was painting. Okay. Um, so after several years, she had amassed about thirty paintings, and they were put on display at a local art gallery. <laughs> so bad, I'm not laughing because it's funny, but it's just so <laughs> awful. Like you can't make this shit up. Then the gallery immediately burned down and every single painting was destroyed. What? Like, you just can't even make up all this shit that's happening to this poor woman. It's so sad. Oh, my God. She spent years, like, amassing these 30 paintings. She's, like, coping with her PTSD. They're, like, probably her pride and joy. The only thing that's, like, gotten her, like, creation. And then she puts them up in an art gallery, like, proudly. And and it just burns to the ground. Wow. So just awful. Um, She won the right to have murder scene evidence tested for her DNA because she was like, I need somebody to prove this was not me because she still had this terrible rap that like she had done it and escaped from jail and somehow. But like she's like, no, I want someone to test this DNA and prove it's not me. Um, But even that took a weird twist. So I don't know if you remember this. This is one of the only things I remembered, actually. Um, In 2002, guess who decided to agree to conduct and pay for this testing of the DNA evidence? (laughs) Do you have a guess or do you want me to tell you? I don't want to pressure you. Chris Hansen? Dr. Phil. Oh, okay. Far off. Like TV personality. It was either him or like, I was going to say Mariska. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oh, well, good point. Good guess. That would have been a good guess too. But Dr. Phil says... We agree to conduct the testing as long as we can reveal the results on air, which is like the most like Hollywood thing ever. It's like that awkward thing where you have to you want to you need to accept the help, but you have to say thank you afterwards. It's like like that that Viennese countess who is like, I'll house you, uh but I'm going to study you like an animal. I guess (laughs) like that's like the not the way I wanted this to go. It's the like less bad option, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So the show's producers, now this just gets sad again. 
The show's producers kept Lori in an apartment with a bodyguard and videotaping, apparently, according to her attorney, to shield her from the media because she's still like this big media figure. And so sure. they're trying to like shield her from that. But apparently she suffered a panic attack and flashback to prison confinement, tried to climb out of the window and injured her foot so badly it had to be amputated. Holy shit. Yeah. And then the Dr. Bill set burnt down. And then <laughs> Dr. Phil said wow, everything that's on that's so sad. Yeah. So and despite all of this, her appeal efforts were still not successful and her name was not cleared. Like they wouldn't take oh her God. name out of this situation. And like clearly her asshole Fred X, who's now with like a teenager, had put her up to or had like said all I don't blame up. her for and eh, not that I would anyway, but like all that trauma is like so wildly oh, I can't valid. Imagine. It's like, and being in jail for that long. <coughs> wow. whether you're guilty or not but then like not even being guilty after all that oh my gosh so on november 20th 2010 Lori died in a hospice facility in portland from liver and kidney failure and she was only 52 years old oh no i know um there was at the time of when i did the notes originally there was like this really recent update which was like last spring um wisconsin's new governor governor Gov- Jesus. Govna. Govna uh, said he will once again consider granting pardons um, because his predecessor uh, hadn't issued a single pardon during his eight years in office. So the new guy, the new Govna, said he was considering um, granting pardons. And Lori's uh, attorney announced that that she hoped the new governor would finally grant Lori a posthumous pardon to clear her name even after death. And I did look into that. No update yet. So it hasn't happened. But... I guess there's been a lot of other things going on in the last year. Sure. So hopefully uh, that still happens. Um, even though it's after death, I, w- I would like to think at least she maybe would be able to rest life. a little easier yeah. knowing that her name was her finally ghost can be like, cleared. Fucking finally. Jesus. So yeah. this is me saying, sorry, Bambi, you didn't deserve all that. You do not. No, no, no. Anyway, that's the story of Run, Bambi, Run. Bambi's had enough. Bambi's had enough. Leave her alone. <sighs> wow. So that's that. I don't, I didn't remember that story at all. Isn't that wild? That's still bananas. Yeah. Wow. When you tell me in another year, I'll be just as shocked. <laughs> what if we just kept doing that? <laughs> I mean, no. We should have a, our should have a are... spinoff show where we just tell stories that we already have, but the other person has to fill in the blanks like Mad Libs. <laughs> like where I said and, Dr. Phil. And whoever's more right wins Chris the prize. <laughs> we could like vote. Yeah. I actually kind of like that. That's we do a, a Mad idea. Libs. Yeah. A Mad Libs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're yeah, going yeah. Mad Libs. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Anyway, so that's, that's that. Cool. Thank you for listening Well, to our podcast. I'm ready for some cheesecake. Christine. Me too. Let's go get some cheesecake. All right. For those of you who would like more information about any of this, why? Um, you can go to that's why we drink.com. You can also follow us on our socials, ATWB podcast. Oh, sign up for our newsletter. We've got a newsletter. Um, you can submit your own personal listener stories to and that's why we drink at gmail.com. Right. Or actually you could do it at and that's why we drink.com. Oh, yeah, there's a submission form easier. there. Probably easier. Everything's on the website. Just find it on the internet, folks. Yeah. We put it there somewhere. It's a mess, but you can find it. Always never. Always never. And <laughs> that's why we drink. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit strayer.edu to learn more. 
Sierra University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.